for those who are here for the first time, um, we started a series last week, uh, uh, which is Winning in Babylon. And Karabo uh, laid some foundations for us. He told us what is Babylon, and he told us our identity as people, that is who we are in Babylon. And he ended by giving us four fire starters. In other words, he told us four critical things that because the title of the message was Be the Fire. So if we are going to be the fire, there are four key things that he shared with us which are going to be the fire starter. So today, my job is to build on the foundation that he has laid for us and to take it a little bit further and highlight certain things to us uh, on a title called Being a Good Steward. So that is what we're going to be talking about today. And because of our time, we have a lot of scripture to go through. And I will start with that. And from there, I will trust that God is going to help us to be able to cover all that we can uh, within the time that we have. I must confess that this title or this message is something that we can actually go even for, for four weeks, just going into one part of it. So uh, let's know that uh, whatever we do is just more like just an highlight. And if God is going to help us in our spare time to go more deeply over it. So uh, I think I just want us to know that. So this morning, I want us to look at our test. Uh, last week, when Karabo started, he told us that the main test, which is like the base test, is Daniel chapter 11, verse 32b. Now, that scripture says, uh, those who know their God, they shall be strong and they shall do exploit. Uh, in fact, if you actually take that word from the King James, uh, that part, exploit, is actually written in italics. And it is said that words in King James that are written in italics are words that they do not actually know what they can use to fill it up. So actually, the word is those who know their God, they shall do. But because it might not make sense to us that they shall do what? That is why they say they shall do exploit. But that exploit is in italics so that you understand if you read your King James Version and if you read it very well, it will tell you that it is that they can do anything for God. And the life of Daniel is a life that challenges me so much. It's a life that I've been studying for as long as when I got saved. And it's a life that even in the course of the last week, as I continue to study it, is a life that baffles me. Because when I look at characters in the Bible, there are few characters that you can say... You know, you, you know, we spoke about, um, Brolanga was just talking about King David, yeah, King um, uh, Solomon. And we can read about some lives and we can see maybe some things we can say, oh, there was some fault in some areas. But for Daniel, whenever I look at his life, it's like faultless. It's like I can't even pick something that I can say we can't follow about this man. And I, I, I'm challenged and I feel... This challenge is something that we should all 
as believers be challenged as we look at these lives. So this morning, there will be challenges, you know, that comes to our heart as we examine these lives. But to come home is for us to get to a point that the interest of God is what the Bible says, that the scripture is written so that we can actually learn and we can be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So that we understand that God is polishing us and we are all work in progress. So it is not a message that I'm preaching because I've gotten to the height of it. It's a message that challenges me and even after I leave it, it will continue to challenge me. I don't think we can ever be free from this until when we get to a point where we stand before God and it says, welcome home, good and faithful servant. So as long as we are here, there will be challenges. Let's quickly go to Daniel chapter 6, verse 1 to 28. I'm reading from the uh, ESV, so I have them put it up for us so we can just follow. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom. And over them three high officials, of whom Daniel was one, to whom this satrap should give account, so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the high officials and satraps, because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could not find ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Now, I just want to pause here. You know, today, time, I know it's going to fail me to do some things, but I have to lay foundation. Wherever God says we should stop this morning, we'll stop. Because this morning, when I'm talking about being a good steward, I'm not going to talk about how to steward your money. I'm not going to talk about how to steward your time. In, in that context, I'm going to talk about spiritual things. And the reason for this is because we can see from that scripture where we have just paused that these men, they looked for fault for Daniel in the physical things, in how he spends his time, in how he does his work. And they cannot find any fault. And they said, there is no way we can fault this man except we go to the spiritual so when we are talking about winning in Babylon, it is beyond the physical. Even though Babylon might appear to us to be physical, but the issue is starting from the spirit because it is a battle between kings. The battle is not for a physical issue. It is for destinies of men. 
when the, when, the, when, when the serpent came in the garden, we thought it was Eve. We thought it was Adam. But now we know that when Adam ate it, all mankind was affected. That was why when Brother Langa was talking to us about thinking big, you see, the enemy is not after you. It's after what God will produce through you. If the enemy succeeds in killing me, he has ended generations of people that could be affected. It's not about me. If it's about me, it's a small issue. You see, the Bible said the enemy, the devil stood with David until he sinned. And when he sinned, who died for it? The people of Israel. It wasn't David who died. The enemy stood until David sinned. But who died? The people. Because the issue is greater than what we see. So when these people are fighting Daniel, it's because there is something crucial. And if we don't read to the end of this, we will not understand what the battle was. We will not understand the initiator of the battle. We will not understand that when we say winning in Babylon, it is not that I will win and become glorious. It is that he will win and become glorious. It's about God. There's a bigger picture. The enemy has seen it. And that's why the battle is not even, you will understand later as we read, that it's not even between Daniel and the people. Let's continue. Then, verse 6. These high officials and satrap came by agreement to the king and said to him, O king Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the, and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it can not be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had, he had windows in his upper chamber open towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Then this man came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. Then the king near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the dens, den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing stands first, according to the law of the Medes and Persia, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king 
when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. And he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Verse 16. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. I want us to understand certain things which we are going to labor on as time goes on. May your God, whom you serve continually. When our brother spoke to us last week, he told us about fire starter. Fire starter, it is just the beginning. Every time, a fire must start. But starting the fire is just the beginning. Sustaining the fire, maintaining it, and keeping it burning is something that takes being a good steward. It takes discipline. It takes many other things that we'll talk about. And today, that's why we are laying the foundation to take it a little bit further. Because we might be excited that, you know, I have a fire. But the issue is that the enemy knows when you have a fire. Why? Because fire is a source of light. The Bible says, you know, the people, when Christ came into the world, the people did not recognize them because they love darkness rather than light. So when light comes, the enemy knows that light has come. If you are dark, in darkness, you don't have a fire. The enemy does not care because you are blind to the environment. You see, Babylon is dark. So you don't need to be darker to continue in Babylon. But what Babylon does not want is people with fire. Because fire is light. So immediately fire comes. They'll say, eh, there's somebody with fire here. There's no way you will carry fire. That someone will not know that there's fire here. They'll say, there's somebody with fire here. Now we have to pay attention to him. Nobody cares about the person without fire. Because you can't burn. Can, can somebody without fire burn? If you put some, your hand in something that is not fire, can it burn you? No. It's, the only thing that can burn you is fire. So if you are a Christian without fire, nobody cares. You can go. The enemy does not care. But when you have fire, you say, this one can burn us. We have to do something about this fire. So when the enemy keeps going after us, it's because he knows that we carry something that can be injurious to his kingdom. When Pastor Wayne was reading two weeks ago that we are a royal priesthood, the end of it was that we might proclaim there's something, there's a purpose to it. It's not that, oh, I'll wear some garments and robes and sit down. I'm a royal priesthood. I'm a holy nation. To proclaim something. That is the purpose. <laughs> Let's continue. So, from verse 16, we read, verse 17, And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet, and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. 
Then at day at break of day, you understand why the enemy wants Daniel out. Something, somebody that can affect the king so much that the king will fast. Now, this king is not your king that you know. This king is a king that reigned over 120 provinces. It's a king whose kingdom extends like it's actually in history the son of Azurus, who was the king during the time of Esther. And is the king whose kingdom reign expanded from India to Ethiopia. You have how many provinces in South Africa? Nine provinces, right? This is 120. U.S. as big as they are. They have states, 52. We are talking about 120. So this is a powerful king. And he cannot even sleep. So we have to understand why the enemy wants Daniel out. Then, king said, so that's uh, verse 19. Then at break of day, the king arose and went in east to the den of lion. As he came near to the den, then where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, as your God, whom you serve continually, been able to de- deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth, and they have not armed me, because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad, and command that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no king, no kind of arm was found on him because he had trusted in God. Verse 24, and the king commanded, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions, they, their children, and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lion overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. Then Darius, then King Darius wrote, now this is where we are going. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations and language that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. Before the God of who? For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be, shall be, to, the end, shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He walks signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. Father, we ask this morning that you breathe upon your word. We ask that you expand your word to our heart and you will take us to the place where you want us to be this morning. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I want us to understand that when we're talking about winning in Babylon and we're talking about being a good steward. Remember, the title is winning in Babylon. It is not win in Babylon. 
Why it is not wind in Babylon is because it's not a once-off event. So when fire starts, it's not that I'm on fire today and tomorrow I'm not on fire. It is a continuous thing. Bible says Daniel continued. And we must look at it. How is it? Because we have seen people in life who started with fire, but we cannot find them today. And that becomes the core of the issues in our own life. Because every time we are humbled because we know that there were people who have been on fire even before us. But before they went far, the enemy quenched their fire. And therefore we realize that Babylon is out there to quench our fire. It doesn't want to befriend us for any other thing. If it's moving near to us, it's so that it can blow off our fire. You see, when you carry fire and you have it there ignited, there are winds blowing and you have to cover it sometimes to, because to get it to where you are, because the forces are trying to blow it and this one is blowing it here, this one is blowing it here because they want to say, no, you can't be the only one with fire. Fire, we know that it can actually do many things. So when it says those who know their God, they shall do. You know that word know their God is actually not talking about theoretical knowledge. In fact, that same word that was used to say those who know their God in Daniel chapter 11 is the same word that was used when they say, and Adam knew his wife. It's the same word that was used in Greek when Paul said, that I may know him. And Amplify said, that I may progressively and intimately become acquainted with this person. Knowing and understanding him. So it is a knowing that actually when he starts, it births something inside of you. Because when you say Adam knew his wife, we know the result of it. There was a conception. When God has conceived something inside of us, the enemy wants to terminate it. He wants to abort it. That's why when, we, when we're shown a picture of spiritual issue, in the book of Revelation, when the Bible says the enemy, the serpent stood before that woman. Do you not think it was the woman that was the issue? No, it was not the woman. It was what was inside the woman. He said, let me see how they will give back to this one. Because he knows that if this one comes out, I'm finished. When God said to Jeremiah, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. What does that mean? Because it means that it, there was something that was already decided. And there was probably battery to say, do you think we want this one to come inside? Because it's going to cause a problem for us. So when we talk about being a good steward, what are we going to steward? We are going to steward the fire. Why are, do we need to steward the fire? Because the Babylon out there is there to quench the fire. And I want us to understand this because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, it says, For we carry this treasure 
in earthen vessel. We carry something, but unfortunately, it is in this body. And people who don't understand it, they might miss it. But you that understand it, knows that you are carrying something. You know, all of us who have actually carried fire, like our brother said that day when it was ending, that some of us might have fire, some of us might not, or some of us might be in a state where our fire is being quenched or actually going down. But if you have carried fire and you are conscious of it and you are watchful of it, when you don't have it any longer, you will know. You know, this issue I'm talking about is a critical issue. It's a very critical issue. And the first point, which is why we have to stay with the fire, is because 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19, from the partial translation, says, never restrain or put out the fire of the Holy Spirit. If the Bible says never restrain, or put out. It means that it can be put out. If you think it can be put, it can be put out. It's just a matter of carelessness. It's just a matter of not actually paying attention. There is a process of time. No matter how much your fire was when it started, if we don't pay attention to it, as fire burns, it produces ashes. If we don't take out those ashes, if we don't deal with the things, and we don't continue to feed wood to the fire, it's just a process of time. Even if your fire was so big that the whole world can see it, I tell you, after some time, people will say, is there fire here? Or people will see sign, and they say, it appears there was fire here. One thing I tell God is, God, I don't want to be spoken about in past days when I'm still alive. And I tell you this, it comes, it's not theoretical. I'll share one experience with you when we talk about your concentration, which is the first thing. The first primary thing that is critical is your concentration. Why did I say your consecration is, uh, is that in Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, the Bible says, but Daniel proposed in his heart that he would not defy himself with the king's, the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defy himself. When they were recruiting them, Daniel was not the only one. We know about his friend, Shadrach, Meshach, and there were many of them. They were not the only ones that carried fire. But when they first started the initiation process, they brought them, they recruited them. Some people saw the wine that they have not seen before. They said, ah, this is wine. Daniel said, no, let's not drink this wine. They said, no, why would I not drink this wine? It's free. You understand? I'm not paying for it. They did not know they were drinking their destiny. You see, the issue is not the issue of wine. The issue is not the issue of something small. This is a destiny issue. That is why we did not hear about many of them. Not because they did not have fire. It was because Daniel knew that this is not ordinary wine. This is not ordinary meat. It could look fresh in the outside. Bible says, I don't know whether you've come across that scripture where it says, you know, it gave them meat, but sent leanness to their soul. 
I would prefer for my soul to prosper than for me to look big in the outside. And he said, this guy is fresh, but my soul is lean. It's not the issue of meat or wine. It is that Daniel realized from the beginning. The enemy will always come. Can I share with you that, you know, there are times in our lives that the enemy has tried many things. And sometimes God has, by his grace, taken us out. And we have realized that if not for God, the enemy wanted to take me out there. You know, the first time, and when we say Babylon, it's not, I'm not talking about South Africa. Even though we are in South Africa today. You know, I came from Nigeria. It's not as if everywhere is Babylon. And when you, if you like, leave South Africa, go somewhere else. Immediately you are entering. If you have fire, they will know. They will know. C.S. Charles G. Finney was going somewhere to preach. And they told him, they say, if you dare to bring your fire to this place, we'll quench it. They know. They know fire carriers. And they know those who are not carrying fire. They know. You know, the Bible says when the seven sons of Scaphas, when they thought that what Paul and the rest were doing, it was just, uh, it was just a gimmick. They tried it. The Bible says the demons, they say, come out. The demons say, Paul, we know. Who are you? It means that even the demons, they know Paul. They say, we know Paul. If Paul said we should leave, we will leave because we know him. But you, who are you? That is why when I, I became, a, a, when I just first became a believer, and some brothers would call me, they say, let's go and do deliverance. I say, no, I'm not doing deliverance because I'm still growing. I don't, you, you think it's a joke. My mother used to say, if you think you are a believer, it's when you get to those fields that you will know. Because the demons know. They know if you carry fire. They will tell you, who are you? You, t- you say, come out in the name of Jesus. Go and say it. You think it's the name of Jesus alone. Because they know that he has a connection with Jesus. They say, Paul, we know. Jesus, we know. Who are you? When Jesus came out, they say, have you come? Where were, where, where were the demons? They were in the church. They were in the synagogue. And the priest, all those people, they knew the Bible. But they were sitting there. When Jesus came, they said, have you come to Jesus? Your consecration is, diff- is important. You know, when I entered South Africa, one guy came to knock on my door on race. And he said to me, he did this to me. I said, what is that? He said, ah, he said this. I said, what is that? He said, do you need... Uh, Girls. I say I don't need girls. I'm telling you. I'm, you think, you, you think this, these are issues. Now, some years after, this guy's brother came into the campus some years after. And he joined our church. And then I was married then. And we're sitting, his brother was not far from us. And later, his brother invited him to church and came to church. And he saw me. And he said, oh, you are still here. <laughs> if I had gone with him, and now I'm married, 
What do you think it will be? This issue is not just a once-off thing. There are many experiences that some have almost gotten burnt that later I realize. You know, so sometimes when some people say, ah, this guy, I don't understand why he looks somehow, he's like, he's unfriendly. It's not because we are not friendly. It's because we are guiding something. Our prayer life. Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. The Bible says, they looked at it and they said, we cannot find a fault against this guy. There's no way we'll take him out. And do you know the issue? The issue is that the king was pleased with the way Daniel was doing his work. And he wanted to now promote him and make him the head, which was going to be like a prime minister, the second in command. And they said, we must look at this guy's fire. They open his fire, open his fire. They can't see anything. They can't see anything. They say, look, guys, we, there's only one thing. It has to be with his spiritual life. What is the correlation between my work in the office, my career, and my prayer life, or my spiritual? What is the correlation? Why is it that you can't find fault in what I'm doing, but you want to find fault now in my spiritual life? It's because they know. The enemy knows. So when they said his prayer life, now look at what they are going to do. They say, King, we have all agreed. But Daniel did not agree with them. But they say, We have all agreed. We are in agreement that no one should pray to the king, to anybody, any God for 30 days. You know, we might not know the impact of it, but if the enemy can rob us of our prayer life, for 30 days, that we are cut off from our God for 30 days, you are in darkness. You can't see anything. You can do your work nicely, but you can't see anything. Why would they ask? This is an issue. It appears as if it's an office issue, but this is an issue for them. They say 30 days. And the Bible says when Daniel as add that it has been signed. I don't know whether when we read our Bible, we'll ask ourselves question. Why didn't Daniel go to the king before that? Why did he say, but, no, these people, no, we didn't agree. He allowed them. Because there are sometimes you don't need to fight the world. You know, can I share something with you again? I was in a place some years back in Nigeria. And I was supposed to be there for one year. All of us were supposed to be there for one year. So the people I met there, I only met them during that period. And now, they, they came together and said, let's do something for the community where we are. So they said, we are going to set up something like uh, schools. We're going to go to schools and do quiz and bring them together and teach them some things, and I say, okay, I'm going to volunteer. I'm going to be setting the questions and everything. So, I would be, yeah, beside what I spent at office, I was going to spend time setting questions and everything for these schools 
and I will go there. Sometimes, and I'm not, it's not in a car. Sometimes I will, it was going to be bikes, just like Brother Anga was saying, some kilometers. And it will be raining sometimes. And I'm on that motorbike, somebody carrying me there, and it's raining. And I, I was doing this thing. And then it was now the time for the final. And the, 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 maybe the mayor or whatever of the province, the local government, chairman was going to be there. Now, there is glory at stake. And the people said, and they came to me and they said, we are going to facilitate the final. I've been the one doing everything. But now, there is glory at stake. And, you know, I said, okay, it's not a problem. And my colleagues, where I was, they, they said, no, 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 this can't be. We have to fight it. And they came to my, to, 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 to where we were staying, and they knocked the door one day, one day, and I was there, I opened, and they said it was a problem. And I kept quiet, looking at them, and my colleagues, who I, who I lived with in that area, they were, they were, we were, we were teaching in the same school. They were, they were trying to say, no, we'll fight for you. You can't fight for me. And then I was, when I went back to the place where I was in, I was talking with this senior teacher, who is a teacher there, and he was telling me that, you know, the people of this world, the way they do their things, you can't, we can't fight with them, battle for battle. So, let's just leave them. So that afternoon time, evening, I was going to church for prayer. And as I was walking, which is probably about 30 minute walk or 25 minute walk to the church, I was remembering all my labor. And I was crying as I was going because I felt rope. And when I was in church, I was sitting there in the front. And the person who was going to lead that prayer that day came and he said, there's somebody here. And it was describing me. It was describing me. And he said, don't worry. The Lord will fight for you. I knew that it was me. And I tell you the truth. These same people, they came. They came to beg me and they said, please, this thing. So I know that the enemy they will always want to fight you when things are at stake. But you cannot fight the way they will fight. Your fight is not with flesh and blood. So Daniel understood this. The Bible says he went back and he turned his face and he prayed as he has always done. He knew that things were at stake, but he did as he has always done. And that is one thing I want us to understand. He did not shy away at that point in time. Because the enemy can do many things to get down our prayer life. We need to steward our prayer life. You know, sometimes the enemy can bring up events for us. Or sometimes they will bring, you know that program you like on TV, it will be that time you are supposed to pray. And they will bring that program. And they, you know, they are already showing that this program will be heard at that time. And now you have to think of shifting your prayer life, your prayer time to the, after that time. And then you get tired. 
It comes in different ways. You know, when Mary, the Queen of Scotland, said, I fear John Knox's prayer more than an army of 10,000 men. It is because she knows, the Queen knows, that John Knox was praying. If not so, these men, they knew that Daniel prays, and they knew he prays three times. So when they were saying to the king, it was not that they were just asking for something. They, are not, they don't have a prayer life. They don't care. It's about Daniel. Because they know that a prayerless Christian is a powerless Christian. You can make all the noise you want. You are powerless if you don't have a prayer life. Even, even Babylon is not worried about you because they are not a threat to them. You know, empty, empty, empty container when you, you just kick it and it just makes noise. But it takes force and power to kick the one that is filled. So they say, why should we be kicking this one? It will just be making noise. The word of God in our lives is another thing we have to steward. Daniel chapter 9. We understand Daniel knew the word of God. You know, I was wondering, why is Daniel praying three times? Then I realized, you know, Psalms 55, verse 17. David said, in the evening and in the morning and in the afternoon, we high offer my prayer to you. And I will be heard by you. So Daniel is a person that reads the scripture. It says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but thou shalt meditate upon it day and night. Daniel knew the scripture. How did I know? Daniel chapter 9, verse 2 says, during his first year as king, I was studying the scriptures and noticed in the Lord's message to Jeremiah that seven years would pass before Jerusalem would be rebuilt. I was studying the scriptures. So when we look at Daniel's success, and we think, oh, Daniel was just successful. No, he wasn't just successful. He, he watched his consecration. He stewarded it well. He stewarded his prayer life. He stewarded his Bible study time. He stewarded his reading of the Bible. The flow, the fourth thing you need to steward, the flow of the Spirit in our lives. You know, Carabo told us last week, he said, the most important one is that we, the flow of God's Spirit in our lives. And that is why when he says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19, that I read to us, in the year of he said, don't stop the work of the Holy Spirit. You can stop the work of the Holy Spirit in us. And if we don't, people might try to stop it. And that is why we must steward it very well. We must steward it very well. We must steward it. It's critical because there is no way we can succeed in Babylon if we cannot hear God. There is no way we can succeed in Babylon, without the Spirit of God. Moses understood this. 
when the Bible says, God said, I will go, I will send, I can't go with you, but I will send my angel. You know, sometimes some people will think it's pride. When you get to a point where you have worked with God, angel is not an issue to you. When some Christians say, ah, I'm seeing angel, let them see angel. Do you know how many people have seen angel? Even people who started other religion, they saw angels. They saw angels. Many of them, they said they stayed in a cave and they saw an angel. We don't know which angel. Even the demons are falling angels. So angels is not an issue. Don't come to us and say, I saw an angel. No. They, he said, if you will not go with us, let us not leave this place. He said, what would distinguish us from the rest of the people, if not your presence? What is the difference between me and that person? I used to pray to God. I said, God, let there be a difference between those who serve you and those who don't serve you. What's the difference? Why am I serving God if there is no difference in my life? When I was a believer and when I was not a believer. What's the difference? If I cannot spot the difference from when I knew God, then I should go back to where I was before. You think it's just, sometimes, you, some people think it's just a joke. Our Christian life is not a joke. There's something we are pursuing. You know, when I was studying, the scholars, they said, modern scholars, they, they, they said, this, this, this book of Daniel is just frictions. Why are they saying that? So that people will not believe in it. They believe that kingdom, every of those characters, they believe they existed. But they say, no, what was painted is just friction. It's not. We are not just following empty God. We are following that which we know. And that is why he said those who know their God will do. The last point here, our integrity and God's grace. You know Proverbs 23, 23 says buy the truth and sell it not. Buy the truth and sell it not. Because we can buy the truth and sell it. You see, Daniel, there were so many things. Daniel was not just great overnight. Daniel just did not succeed in serving four or five kings. It was because there were certain things that Daniel observed. You know, when the king, when after Nebuchadnezzar died, and his grandson came to the throne. And there was the handwriting on the wall. And they were troubled. Nobody can interpret it. And the queen's mother came and said, this is not an issue. There is a guy in the kingdom during your father's time who can interpret anything. He has the spirits of the gods in him. They know. And they called him. And the king said, you know what? I'm going to give you a purple robe I'm going to give you, make you the third most powerful person in my kingdom if you can explain this. Daniel said to him, in Daniel chapter 5, verses 10 and 17, he said, King Petrusha, you can keep your gifts for yourself or you can give them to someone else. But I will still read the writing on the wall for you and explain what it means. 
Sometimes they will try to buy us. And when they are trying to buy us, it's not you they are buying. They want to buy a destiny. You see, when we did not understand, may God help us to understand. You know, if Esau knew that when he was giving his brother his birthright, that it was an issue of destiny. It was an issue that will go beyond him. He said, what is, what is birthright to me? Give me that poem. If he did not eat it, will he die? If he did not eat for a day, will he die? You won't die. You won't die. But he said, ah, what is birthright to me? Let me eat. And the Bible said, by that, he despises his birthright. Sometimes, they will call us and they want to actually offer us money for what we have. You see, when that person, he saw them laying hands, he said, can we offer you money? Peter, can, we get, can I get this thing? Money, I'll give you money. Just give me this gift. Peter said, may your money perish with you. Because he understood. It's the word Daniel understood. There are so many. But I have to stop here because of our time. But as I hand, I want to hand on this note. It's in Luke chapter 6, verse 3. Because last week, time did not permit us again to be able to have that time of fellowship in, 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 or ministry in front. But today, we will have to hand that way. And in Luke chapter 6, verse 3, from verse 1 to 2, it was a story of a rich man who said he had things about his servant who was a steward, and he called him. He said, what is this I hear about you? Come and give account of your stewardship, lest you will no longer be a steward. And instead of the servant to say, please forgive me. I know I've made mistake, but please restore me. Don't take away the opportunity of stewardship. He said, then the steward said within himself, what shall I do? For my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship. I cannot dig. To beg, I'm ashamed. Why did I have to read this scripture? You know, sometimes as we talk about this issue of fire and stewarding what God has given us, there are sometimes we realize that we have missed it. But instead of us to go back to God and say, God, I've missed this somewhere. Will you please help me and restore me? We are saying to ourselves, if I don't have this fire, let me look for an alternative fire. Let me look for something alternative. The fire has gone. It is a critical issue. I think I have to say this to you. You know, some years back, a lady was troubled so much that God has sent her to me. And she was troubled because the message was heavy for her. It was a heavy message. And you understand why it's a heavy message. 
And this lady, she used to attend this church. And for some time, she would see me on campus. I didn't know that God has given her a message. But I knew that I was in a place where I'm asking God, something is wrong somewhere. I can't put my hand, but I feel that I'm losing some fire. And I'm, I'm, I can't put my hand on it, but I know something is wrong somewhere. And it's not that I'm not having my quiet time. It's not that I'm not praying, but I knew something is wrong somewhere. And this lady labored for weeks. And one day, she had spoken to God, said, give me a sign. If I read school, I'll meet this person. Many things she has said. But eventually, she saw more courage. And she told me she wanted to see me, that God has given me a message. And I went to see her at the top of the library so that it's going to be an open place for everybody that can pass. They will see us. <laughs> and then, and then, this lady said to me, he said, God has said to me, that where, was, where is the fire that you had when you first came here? So when I'm preaching to you this issue, I understand the depth of this thing. I'm talking about something that no, some people will not know. People can meet you. They might not know because they didn't even know you had fire before. So they don't know the largeness of the fire you are carrying. But if God has not spoken to this lady and it was a critical issue for her, I can't condemn her because I understood that it's something I've been asking God. And I got home and I told my wife. I said, because I told her, this person has been trying to see me. And then I told her when I got back, I said, this is what this person said. And she asked me also, where is the fire that you had? So, you had to go before God and say, God, what is happening? So, I want us to understand that what we preach is not, we are not saying theory here. This is an issue. And that is my fear. That when you meet people who don't know, you carry fire. And now fire is even dwelling. And they are still saying, ah, this guy has fire. You need to be afraid and move away. Because they can't even see that there is a problem here. And I'm saying, God, will you open my eyes to where the problem is? I'm sharing with you because this is not an eating thing. This was some years back. And she told me. And that is why when we pray with some brothers, we don't just pray. We have to ask ourselves sometimes, how is your prayer life? How is your Bible study time? It's not about you just, just carrying your Bible. Are you reading it? Not so many things we have said casually. You say, if you don't have a Bible, it's fine. Even Daniel, when there was no Bible, he was reading the scriptures, the scrolls that they had. Then now we say, believers, if you don't have a Bible, it's okay. Then we have all sorts of things in our phone. And when batteries switch off, we say, God, you know, I want to read my Bible, but the battery is off now. Yeah. I want us to pray. I want us to pray this week. It's an issue. It's either you want it or not. 
Isn't that it is an issue of destiny? For Daniel, it was an issue of destiny. Because he told the king, he said, My God has saved me because I'm innocent before him and also before you. So, first of all, he was innocent before God, before it even became an issue of the king. Paul said, For it is expected of stewards to be faithful. But for me, that's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. But for me, it is a small issue. It is not whether you judge me or that. My conscience is clear. But even then, it is God that decides. And that was why it was critical to me when the lady said, God has told me and to ask you. It's not whether you judge me or not. No, that's not the issue here. The issue is God knows. And when somebody confronts you, you say, where is the fire? Don't try to argue. Don't try to say, no, I still have fire. No, no, no. It's not the issue of having fire. It's not saying you didn't have fire. It's saying there is something. This is not the fire you used to have. This is not the fire. That's, it's not the issue of I, don't, I still have fire. We are not talking about whether you have fire or not. If you don't have fire, it's another issue. <laughs> but you, we are saying this fire is dwindling. What is happening? Don't cover it. Don't cover it. He said, with a person, light fire and put it under a bushel. Don't cover it. Let it shine. If you have it, let it shine. Let's pray this morning. I don't know where you are at, but you know. I'm not going to probe you. I'm not going to try to tell you. But you know. This morning is a time of coming back to God. If you know you are in a place where you, 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 you can't even feel God any longer. You are struggling to survive. Instead of winning in Babylon, you are struggling to survive. Babylon has crushed you and you are struggling to survive. They say, how is it? You say, I'm just surviving. Today, you need to come before God. I'm going to open the altar. You need to come before God. I'm not going to squeeze you. I'm not going to say no, beg you. No, this is a time. You know, you have to come before God and say, God, here am I. Fan to flame again the fire in my life. Fan to flame again. The altar is open right now. You know where you are. If you need prayer and you are saying, I know that something is wrong. I can't pinpoint it. But when I pray, I can't feel the power again. I'm struggling. Every time the demon comes, they press me at night. Bad dreams. All those sort of things. I'm just trying to survive. I'm not winning. Please come forward. He said, I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed. He said, I'm ashamed to, to, to beg. Who are you ashamed to beg God? This is an issue of destiny. 